Vera Payne. With over 100 million vaccines have been delivered to Americans and we're slowly getting back to a new normal. Even though the country is starting to open back up, many people are experiencing a re-entry stress. NYC neuropsychologist and faculty member at Columbia University, Dr. Sanam Fahiz, joins me to explain what re-entry stress is and how to cope with it. Thanks for joining me, doctor. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So tell me, what is pandemic re-entry stress? Re-entry is just basically, you know, us getting back into normal world as we knew it, except it's not, you know. So individually going back to work or resuming seeing family and friends, you know, maybe having people over and collectively, let's say, kids going back to school, you know. And it's we've had a lot of false starts, so re-entry has sort of become a little bit like a rehearsal dinner, you know, that we keep having. And so I feel like we've had a lot of practice, but I think when you think of the term re-entry, I think it also comes with a fair amount of anxiety and concern with it because we don't quite know what it means. Yeah, there are a lot of people right now who are afraid of returning to in-person interactions. Besides just the fear of the unknown, is there any other reason people would have, like, apprehensions? Well, I mean, you know, we we know uh, a lot more about the virus itself than we did a year ago, but we still don't know everything, right? It still keeps surprising us. We keep having these variants, you know, that may or may not be protected against by the vaccines. You know, we know that social distancing and mask work, yet it's not the most comfortable thing to do to put put on a mask and be in an office all day or take the subway on a hot sweltering day, right? So people have, you know, concerns that range from sort of the minutia of, you know, the things, the, the care that you have to take during pandemic to the greater things, you know, am I vaccinated with does that? Does that protect me against everything out there? And, you know, what is acceptable, what's not? The CDC comes out with new guidelines every few weeks. And like us, they're also trying to stay on top of this. But it's sometimes hard to follow, you know, what the experts are recommending. And also to remember, the experts were also kind of wrong in the beginning, right? So it's hard to say, can we really trust anyone on this? You know, we know that the vaccines, you know, are effective. We have to trust science on that. But as far as, you know, I've heard a lot of people saying, well, can you really go maskless in, you know, in the outdoors? And people are still unsure about that because who wants to take a chance and then find out, well, no, we probably should have told you to keep your masks on, right? So the, the anxiety is, I would say in this case, it's not misplaced. It's valid. I, I understand why people are anxious. I'm anxious. Everyone's a little anxious. You know, how we deal with it, obviously, is a whole other story. Now, everybody, I think, is kind of feeling some sort of stress. But can we compare it to any other traumatic thing? Because in my head, it's kind of hard. It's not like we have a pandemic every 10 years. Right. I mean, so most of us, including our parents, have never lived through a pandemic. So there's nothing, we can't really compare the stress to anyone. The one thing that I always tell people that there's, you know, comfort in numbers. This is the very first time in my lifetime, in my mom's lifetime, you know, where we've seen something of this magnitude that was shared globally by everyone, right? We've had issues, we've had problems that only affected us in one part of the world. And the rest of the world was sharing, you know, other happenings or we're going through other things. But never have we have we ever shared, even in older times, you know, with the pandemics, because of the way the world was structured. You know, we had the flu pandemic, uh, yeah, a little over 100 years ago in this country, but the rest of the world was, you know, sort of unfazed by it because, you know, people in, in China or Pakistan or, you know, Malaysia didn't know that there was a pandemic going on, right? Because people didn't travel as much. This thing has spread globally and so quickly. I mean, it's been like, it's almost unbelievable to watch it sometimes. This is something that is sort of a global anxiety 
a global sense of relief, you know, when the vaccines came out and still this lingering doubt if this is enough. I feel like this is definitely different than anything that we've ever gone through before as individuals or as a society or even as a world. Now, a lot of people right now are working off-site. How can they make that transition back to working on-site? Because I know I have a problem with that. You know, I've gotten into my own groove, and it took me months to get here. Now I have to go back to work, and it's like a 9 to 5. What kind of advice would you give for people trying to make this transition? Well, look, you know, it really depends from person to person and their individual situation with their employer. You know, I had someone, I did an interview with someone who was asking, well, what about like even people aren't sure if their clothes fit them anymore? The brain has an immense capacity for memory, plasticity. It can retain information. So if you've been getting dressed and going out, you know, most days, you know, for all your life, you'll swing right back into it before you know it. Just like we swung back into putting a mask on when we get out of the car and leave the house, right? So the brain will remember what it was like. But I said, look, there are little things that can go a long way. Take out your clothes, you know, a week in advance and prep some outfits, you know, make sure you try them on, see how they look, have like a few things ready to go, accessorize or, you know, shoes and whatnot. So it takes one layer of anxiety about what you're going to wear, if it's going to fit the morning off out of the way. Run the route that you would usually drive to work or the train that you would take, you know, either take it on an off day or make sure that you look at what the traffic patterns look like, which have also changed. Trust me, when I'm on the road, I'm going, wait, when was there traffic at like, you know, this odd hour in the afternoon? But yet there is because it's, it's a different world. So I feel like people can do, you know, things that make changes to their particular situation in a way that makes it easier without it being a massive change. If you have an employer who is understanding or you're in the kind of work where you can still maybe return to work at a reduced schedule and a truncated schedule where instead of going back five days a week, maybe you go back two days a week, you know, and you slowly increase it to three days a week. Maybe you look at ways that you can perform where you can stagger your hours so you're not going in at the same time um, as all the other colleagues. So you maybe get in a little sooner so you have time to disinfect and, I don't know, sort of set up your space a certain way. You come in a little later so not everyone's coming in at the same time and it's not too busy in the lobby or the waiting area. Whatever makes you anxious. There are ways to figure it out, you know, but returning to normalcy, I feel, is not only healthy for us individually, but as a society as a whole. And so you definitely don't want to, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. You want to get back into the real world while taking your own individual needs into account. And, you know, when it comes to workplace, you have a bit of a rapport with these people. Maybe you spend a year, three, four, five, ten years with these people. So in a way, you kind of feel safe around them. But what about dating? These are brand new people. You're not really Mm -hmm. sure how to navigate this. I mean, can you even ask if they've been vaccinated? That's a very interesting um, and important question. I just had to know with a friend of mine who wants to get back into dating. And I, and I asked her, I said, well, how is this going to work? I said, do you ask people, like, which vaccine did you have? Did you have the Pfizer or the Moderna or the Johnson Johnson? Like, is that how you're going to weed people out? And we were laughing about it, but it's, it's a legitimate concern. How comfortable are you getting intimate with someone you've just met and who's also possibly seeing other people? 
just like you probably are, right? And I think it's a very tricky question. I think if you've had the vaccine, it depends on how comfortable you are getting back out there. You know, thanks to FaceTime and video calls, you can really get try to get to know someone and establish some level of trust. Maybe be candid about your concerns. Maybe if you have an older parent or an immunocompromised, you know, relative or someone you're trying to protect, maybe be honest about that. Look, I, I have to be honest that these are these things are very important to me. So I need you to be upfront if you feel like this is you're not taking it that seriously or you're vaccinated and you think that it's okay to, you know, see people without masks, I may not be comfortable with that. You may still be carrying the virus. So I think these are important conversations to have, but also dating. I think a lot of people that were maybe dating who broke up during the pandemic or were single and were looking forward to, you know, having a year full of dates and, and maybe finding someone are really, you know, sort of uh, despondent and bummed out at the fact that they've lost a year of this. And now getting back is not that easy. You know, yes, that vaccine definitely makes it a lot easier, but it's not a magic pill where you can just, you know, go out with and get intimate with someone that you don't really know and potentially put yourself or someone you love at risk. So there are a lot of factors to be considered. Now we talk a lot about like the singles and we talk about workplace, but what about kids and students? When it comes to kids, I know, I think of my cousin's daughter. She was four years old when the pandemic started and I remember she wanted to go play with her friends. And when we told her she couldn't, she started crying, thinking that she had done something wrong. This was a punishment. And now she has a bit of a fear of even going around other children because she thinks they're dirty. I mean, how can we help our children out right now? You know, when the pandemic um, started, my I think my kids were four. They had turned five during the pandemic, and they just had their sixth birthday. So I can honestly speak from a place of understanding what it's like to have young children and ha- what a tricky thing this is for them. You know, all children are very different developmentally, intellectually. Co- you know, their capacity to understand these things also vary. The one thing I'm a big fan of is explaining things to children in the best way you can without either pretending it's something else or even in an effort to protect them, lying to them. You know, children can suss that out pretty well. And when you're honest with them, I think you are much more likely to have compliance and understanding than when they're getting mixed messages or when you're giving them the, sending them the wrong signals. So I would say if you have young children, you know, hopefully you've given them some idea of what the pandemic is, what this virus is like, how people get it, how you can safely gather, you know, if you're vaccinated or if you're not vaccinated with masks in the outdoors, you know, why we get tested. And, you know, most of us have children who've been tested at this point for one reason or another. Like my kids have, you know, whenever there was a slight, um, you know, indication that we might have been exposed to someone positive, we all went and got tested. It's unpleasant. You know, but we tell them, like, this is, this is you know, non, a non-starter, you know, that you have to do this, you know, and they understand that. Um, and, you know, my kids have been saying things like, we really want this pandemic to end already. This thing is really annoying because they just went back to school and they're like, well, we have to wear masks all day, you know, and I feel so bad for them. But they also understand the importance of not taking those masks off during the classroom. And they recently told me, you know, we have this time where we can have separate room we can go to or we can uh, step outside to take a mask break. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of painful and it saddens me to see that children that young have to incorporate this kind of thinking into their repertoire, but that's the that's where we are, you know. And as adults become more and more vaccinated, and since uh, the vaccinations are not at this time they're not approved for younger than 16, 
the virus, if it's going to be true to its course, is going to try to find hosts in children. So children are actually going to be at a higher risk in the next several months to years. So teaching them how to protect themselves is going to be very important. And it starts with having candid conversations with them and answering their questions without instilling fear by explaining the science of it to them and that they are not powerless against this thing. There are things that they can do to stay safe. Now, as the country opens up more and more, what can we do in preparation for it opening up? Should we still be wearing masks even when they tell us we don't have to? this is where your personal understanding or your personal value system comes into place. Look at the CDC saying you don't have to wear masks. Maybe you use common sense and say, well, if I'm going into a crowded store or if I'm going to be in an elevator with a whole bunch of people, probably a good idea to put a mask on, right? So I don't think we're going to be anywhere near not carrying a mask for several years at this point. I think we're always going to have them, you know, till this thing is truly eradicated. In the meantime, you know, use your own judgment you know, listen to the CDC. We do understand this a lot better than we did a year ago, including the experts, the CDC, the World Health Organization. And if they if they can safely say that, you know, and there are enough studies that say, look, you're you're safe if you're vaccinated and within this distance, or you know, for instance, they're saying you you know you can go outdoors now without a mask if you're vaccinated in a non-crowded area. So the 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 instruction isn't just to not wear masks outside. It says outdoors in non-crowded areas. So you have to really pay attention to the fine print. And then, again, use your own judgment. If you want to be cautious, you know, wearing a mask isn't going to kill anyone, but COVID still can. So we really have to keep that in mind that what you're being asked to do is not the end of the world. It's annoying, yes, as my six-year-olds will tell you, but it's not the end of the world. And it literally, we know for a fact, saves lives. Well, Dr. Hafiz, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you being here. For those listening, where can they find more information about you? Um, They can find me at my website at www.comprehendthemind.com and on Instagram at Dr. Sanam Hafiz, one word. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne. That's all one word. And don't forget to share the show with your friends.